0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast. On today, we have another amazing interview. And you know when that's coming up? Right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage, and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, Drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and His ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. Welcome to today's show. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. I'm here with the always Miss G- There's the eyebrows, <laughs> Miss
1: Gorgeous Christy. Hello. How you doing, babe? I'm doing wonderful.
0: Did you remember to, that I was going to ask you what's on your mind? No. <laughs> no. We're trying to go for 100% every episode that you'll never remember. Do you have anything on your mind? You're thinking really hard right now. I am. Um, <laughs>
1: I'm thinking really
0: hard. Do you hard have anything? I do have something. Oh, here we go. Oh, got somber real
1: quick. Yeah. sad? Because my oldest son is going to be moving out soon. He's getting a place of his own. Probably this week. With yeah. a friend. Probably this week.
0: Well, this <laughs> week, if you're... I mean, we stayed this week. It's... What is it? It's Jul- July twenty fifth, right now. So when this is, um, but yeah, and you're sad about it.
1: I am sad about it. No.
0: Get him out! Get them all out! Don't say that. For <laughs> so today's episode, this is really exciting. Now I want to introduce who this is that's coming on right now. This interview is fun. It's going to be amazing. If you're listening or watching, you're able to do it. It's going to be so much fun. It's probably one you're going to want to go back and rewatch or listen to. It's interactive. It's super interactive, which we think is super fun because we're
1: interactive. Fun we people. are interactive. Okay. So if you don't watch our podcast, you're missing out on all the facial expressions.
0: Yeah, you're missing <laughs> it. Right. You're missing all of it. So we want to introduce to you in just one second, Dr. Katie Nall. Now, she is a two-time TEDx speaker. She is a keynote speaker. She's a trainer and a coach. And she has a very interesting, uh, interesting specialty, which is we're going to dive in during this interview. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yeah. I'm ready. All right, without further ado, let's bring on Dr. Katie. All right, everybody, we want to welcome to the show Katie. Dr. Katie, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Justin and Christy. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah,
0: we are so excited for this. I'm most excited. She's probably a little less excited than me, but probably mostly excited,
1: yeah, I would say. <laughs> well, I'm less excited now, but I'm most excited for because of what we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, so you know, with the introduction, I kind of let everybody know a little bit about you know a few of, of your accolades, some things that you got going on. Some you know, I've kind of built you up a little bit, but oh let gosh. our listeners and viewers know a little bit about who you are.
2: Well, Josh and Christy, like you, um, I come from a blended family. In fact, um, I was probably in a blender the, my entire life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I come from a very large family. I have seven half siblings and seven parents. Um, (laughs) my mother married and divorced four times. Um, I met my father when I was 14, um, for the first time. And then he died, um, when I was in my twenties. So I didn't have a very long time to get to know him. Um, but I did get to know a lot of other people. Uh, (laughs) that was great. I was raised with a, um, half sister and half brother. I consider them, you know, my close, uh, siblings. And then interestingly enough after each one of my parents died, we found papers uh, that each one of them had given a, a different child up for adoption. Uh, wow. So, and, and we found one of them found us and uh, we welcomed him into the family. Although, you know, we had this great opportunity. We're like, Oh, we could tell him anything about oh, our lives. Yeah. Right? We didn't know. Yeah. And, and then the other person we reached out to and he was like, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, so we've had that experience from both sides. So wow. I, yeah. So this summer next month. Yeah. Next month in just a couple weeks, um, I'll be celebrating my 49th wedding anniversary. It was uh, yeah. And that's with my first husband. Um, he <laughs> um, it, it's a mistake and we just haven't been able to figure out our way out of it
0: um we won't tell him you said that yeah yeah Uh,
2: no he's the one who says no It's not Uh, we have three grown children um who all still speak to us which is like awesome and they married amazing people we told everybody there's no take backs and uh they've gifted us with five adorable granddaughters so that's a lot about me
0: (laughs) i love it well where about in the country do you live?
2: I'm in Florida. Um, we've been here about 42 years, so I'm so uh,
0: jealous. Love it, yeah. The South calls to us. We live in Michigan, so uh, the South definitely calls to us. Yeah, okay, because it's so warm. And I beautiful. think
2: we're cold cooler now than we are than you guys are. Uh, I've been checking with my sister in Oklahoma, and she's got like 107, 109 degree temperatures, and we're in our 80s. So,
1: but you guys don't get snow.
2: <laughs> we do not get snow. We do get snowbirds. Um, yeah. Which is what this we is call true. when you guys come to visit us. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's so true. You know, so Christy, growing up, uh, her she had a dad that was married five times. So mm-hmm. you and her are kind of kindred spirits in that. Yeah. She she understands, you know, how that how that makes an impact. And my in, mom's been effect. married three, three times. Yeah, and your mom's been married, and her mom's been married three times. Yep. So yeah. you definitely understand that. We don't understand the way that you know. Uh, the way that blended families really make an impact on family. And it it sounds like, which is amazing, which is the whole reason why we even started doing what we do is we we don't want to keep repeating that generationally. And so to hear that you're going to celebrate 49 years of marriage is just absolutely incredible, which means you learned from what happened and didn't want to repeat what you, what you experience. And that's just an incredible thing.
1: Yeah. I figured my mom, my dad was married five times. My mom was married three times. I've been married two times, so I'm doing better. <laughs> you got subtraction thing going <laughs> yeah. Yeah. moving yeah. in the right direction. <laughs> so now our kids just need to be married one time and we we'll would be good. Yeah. Okay. So
0: you have a PhD, right? So I not you share with our listeners and viewers a little bit about how that came about, what it's for, and then how it led into where you're at now.
2: Well, Josh and Christy, I um, when I was 18 years old, uh, I was looking around and my life was kind of, you know, turbulent. Yeah. And, but I had heard someplace that if you make a list of five things you want to do, you're going to be in much better shape of being actually accomplishing. So I made my list and number one on my list was earn a Ph.D. I had no idea what a PhD was. I just heard that it was the highest level of education you could get. And that when I looked around, it seemed like the people who had different lifestyles than I did had a lot more education than my family did. Mm. So I thought, well, if I get the education that should change my lifestyle. So that was number one. Number two was uh, I was going to buy a car and it was going to be paid for. And that was really important because I lived on layaway back then because we didn't have credit cards. You know, that was a hundred years ago. Uh, and then number three was I was going to buy a house, which made sense because we moved um, almost every six months. And I lived, I attended 12 different schools in five different states growing up. So buying a house and having some kind of stability was important to me. Yeah. can't remember what number four was, but number five was, I was then uh, at age 25 going to accomplish all of these goals. And the fifth goal was I was going to begin dating. Well, Mm -hmm. let me tell you what actually happened. By the time I was 25, I did not have my PhD, but I was finishing up my master's degree in statistics. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on my way. Uh, I did have a car that was bought and paid for. It was a 1973 TR6. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have a house, but I was uh, a manager for an apartment complex. So I kind of gave myself partial credit on that. Still can't remember what number four was, but number five. Yeah. I had been married for five years uh- and was Pregnant with my first. You didn't hear me mention marriage or children in any of that, right? Uh, uh Turns out my husband had a plan, um, and his was bigger than mine. So what I learned from it is that it's important to have big goals.
1: Mm.
2: I remembered my goal as I was in my mid-50s. My kids, my youngest of three children was over 25. And I remembered I always wanted a PhD. I was working at a college at the time where phds are honored and uh Mm. and you know really accepted people will go out of the way to help you get a phd so i went to my supervisor i went to my husband i went to my kids i'm like what would you guys think if i went back to school as a mature student uh in my mid 50s to get my phd and they're all like go ahead go for it uh p.s don't bother me while you're doing it yeah (laughs) So I was working full time uh, as a uh, campus director at a local college overseeing uh, a campus and uh, working full time. It took me four years at night and weekends and a short sabbatical to finish my Ph.D. in mathematics education. While I was doing my research, I wanted to help all the students who were coming in um, and had one class left to finish. And it was always math. My response was, great idea. You saved the best for last. Yeah, That is not how they felt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of them couldn't even say what the one class was that they had left to do. So I would get on the computer and look up and I was like, look, you only have one class left and it's math. Let's get you registered. They would start shaking, they'd get the sweat off their palms, I could watch the color in their face change, and I was like, what is going on? All I did was say, math. I had to try to find out why I could help these students overcome their fear and anxiety in math. Well, I was doing my dissertation, so I focused on how do you help students overcome fear and anxiety about math and test taking. And do you know what I found, Jocelyn Christie? Nothing. There was yeah. like nothing out there. Nothing. Um, but what I did find is that they should change instructors. They should study harder. They should try this technique. Nothing was in there about how to help them to even register for a class that they were so fearful for. They were having physiological reactions. I recognize my question as a word problem. <laughs> yeah. And as you know, in math word problems, what you do is you just pull out what you need from the problem. And I restated and said, how do you help overcome fear and anxiety? That was in 2010. And I ran into Nick Ortner's 10 day summit. I watched all 10 days. I bought the book, I bought the DVD for all 10 days. They talked about how to overcome fear and anxiety about finances, about relationships, about addictions. Nobody mentioned math. Nobody mentioned tests. I was like, I have no idea if this is gonna work or not, but I have a room full of desperate students. Mm. And we all know that desperate clients are the best, right?
0: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) They will try anything. Sure. They tried it. So I'd bring them into my office one by one. I'm like, I don't know if this is gonna work or not, but just kinda let's go with it. I didn't have any training other than the book and the DVD. After a few weeks, they started coming back and they said, I'm not really sure or not, but I think I'm passing my math class. I had no idea who was more surprised them or me because I didn't know if it was going to work. It started working and I thought I need to get training because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I went back and I got training in level one, which means that you can. do it, do this on yourself, family and friends level two, which enabled me to become certified, but I really wanted to train others because I could see the power of this. So I went on to level three and became an advanced certified. I did, um, uh, uh trauma because I had so many of my students were triggering me into trauma. The reason why they couldn't do math is because their little brother died on them when they were seven. I was like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, I did quantum, which is past lives as a whole other subject. I did uh, picture tapping uh, for people who can't deal with their emotions. Hmm. Um, and I went on to become a supervisor, a mentor, and now I'm finally a master trainer. Now, remember what I said? It took me four years working full time to become, again, earn my Ph.D., took me eight years working full-time to become a master trainer Mm. in emotional freedom technique. Would you like to see how it works?
0: Yeah, please. Let's do it.
2: (laughs) Okay. So uh, I understand Christy has been uh, voluntold that she's going to be doing this. Yes, that's right. She
1: offered me up as a sacrifice. I want everybody to know. And if you guys want to send me chocolate or Coke Zero Vanilla later, you know, to make me feel better, that's fine.
2: Well, what I like the most about this, Christy, is that at the end of it, people feel better. And now, full confession, uh, I went to therapy once a week for four years, my poor therapist. He was so good. He He really helped me kind of cross over a lot of things. However, he was also a businessman. And at the end of 60 Minutes, he'd say, well, Katie, we're finished now. I would be sitting over there in a complete blubbering mess because I'd had drenched up all this stuff and it was like I couldn't deal with it. I'm like, (laughs) okay, okay, this is gonna be great. And I'd have to kind of pull myself together, stumble my way out the door, get into my car and try to regroup before I went back to work, right? Mm. That doesn't happen with tapping. With tapping, you kind of come back to a place of peace. The majority of my clients end the one hour session by saying, wow, I feel lighter. Now what's interesting is nobody comes in saying, I feel very heavy today.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: But they had so many emotions that they were holding in that that created the heaviness. So Christy, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions before we begin. All right. So um, tell me something small that has caused you waffles or is causing you waffles In the last 24 to 48 hours. Now, waffles are worries, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, or stress.
1: So I am going to be having surgery on August 5th. And I have a fear of needles. So it's really the IV, but fear of needles too. Because I was supposed to get a shot in my back today because I have a bad back and epidural shot. And I canceled it.
2: I called and canceled. Okay. Okay. A fear of needles. Um, and so, um, well, let's talk about it. What you'll find out with tapping is we really focus in. So you mentioned you were supposed to get a shot today in your back. And you also mentioned IV coming up Mm -hmm. on August 5th, which one has a stronger intensity.
1: The one in my back.
2: Okay. So if you think about that, you were supposed to get a shot in your back. Mm -hmm what emotion is coming up when you think about it?
1: Um, probably anxiety. Like I start like my, you know, the chest, my heart starts racing a little bit and I start getting like a little nervous, sweaty.
2: Okay. So you mentioned anxiety and nervous, which one's stronger? Probably anxious, probably anxiety. Anxiety. Okay. Now, from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, when you think about getting a shot in your back, that feeling of anxiety, where do you feel it in your body?
1: Uh, two places, actually. My chest, because my chest starts feeling like it's difficult for me to breathe. And then my I get really sweaty, like my palms
2: get really, really sweaty. Okay. So your chest and your palms. That's great. From zero to 10, where zero is like, ah, it's no big deal. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And 10 is the most anxiety you've ever felt in your life. When you think about that shot in your back, what number does it comes up?
1: In my back? Uh, probably a six.
2: Okay, great. Um, and is this a true statement? Right here, right now, I feel safe. Right here, right now, I feel safe. Yes. Okay, good. I'm going to ask you to repeat. uh, First of all, I'm going to show you where we're going to tap on our body. And um, and then after that, I'm going to add some words. When I ask you to add words, if I ask you to repeat a word, Christy, that you go, no, that's not really true. For instance, you told me your chest and your palms. And if I said uh, in your heart, in your hands, that's not what you said. Will you repeat it in words that are true for you?
1: I will do my best.
2: Oh, that's all I ask.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what we're going to do is first of all, we're going to start off and tap on the locations of your body that we'll tap on that. We're going to add words to in just a minute. Is that all right?
1: Yep. Okay.
2: So you can use either your right hand or your left hand. It doesn't matter. Okay. And on the area between your wrist and your little finger, um, there's a, a fatty part of your palm. So between your wrist and your little finger, use your other Fingers of your hand and tap right long. Now, Josh, I'm, yeah, you're doing it great. I am. So. Ask you to pull along too.
0: Me
1: too. Okay.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry, Christy. What'd you, say? <laughs> what'd you say? Christy, I didn't catch that.
1: I said I have nails. So. Oh. Good.
2: Okay, that's fine. Okay. That's just... Nails are fine. Okay. And when we get to the part where we're going to add words, um, I'm going to ask you to repeat uh a sentence I'll I'll create a sentence and we'll do that three times there okay 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 next spot is on the top of your head on the crown of your head and you can use your right hand your left hand both hands it doesn't matter whatever's most comfortable okay and I'm going to go in for a close-up for the next one so fair warning it's going to be above your nose on the edge of your eyebrow. so right there you'll take two fingers and right on the edge of your eyebrow at the same time uh no you'll you'll switch yeah Good question, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the next spot is on your temple, and you can use your right side, your left side, doesn't matter. And it's between the edge of your eye and your and your hairline. So you'll go right there. Yeah. Okay. And then the next spot is where I keep all my bags for a quick getaway, and that's under your eye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You and me both. And then
2: we go under our nose, above our lip. Okay. And then under our lip, above our chin. And then we're going to cross our wrist and go right on our collarbone with both hands. And then the last spot is about four inches under our arm on our ribs. So we go about there and give it a good hearty slap. And then when we're finished, we're going to put our hands on our shoulders Uh and we're going to rub our hands down to our elbows and Breathe out like a cartoon character. So it looks like this. Oh, <laughs> you I guys like are that. Good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we're going to add words. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So we'll start again on the side of our hand between our wrist and our little finger. And I'll explain the spots again just in case somebody's listening and can't see. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Christy and Josh, you can repeat too. Say, even though. Even though. I remember that shot I was supposed to get in my back today. I
1: remember that that shot shot I was supposed to get in my
2: back today. And thinking about it now. And thinking thinking about it now. now, Oh, I feel anxiety in my chest and my palms. I feel feel anxiety anxiety in my
1: chest and my palms.
2: Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now, I feel feel safe safe anyway. And then we're going to repeat that. Even though.
1: Even Even though.
2: I have this anxiety in my chest and my palms, I have, I have this, this anxiety, anxiety in my chest and in my, my palms. palms, Thinking about that shot I was supposed to get in my back today. Thinking about that shot I was supposed to get, to get in my, my back, back today Right here. Right now I feel safe anyway. Right but here. Right now I feel safe anyway. Last time. Even though, even though my chest and my palms are full of anxiety. My chest, my chest and my palms are full of anxiety. Just remembering that shot I was supposed to get in my back today. Just remembering Remembering that shot I was supposed to get get in my my back today. today. Right here, right now. I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now. I feel feel safe safe anyway. And then tap on the top of your head. Again, you can use your right hand, left hand, both (laughs) hands. And you're going to say that anxiety in my chest and my palms. Anxiety in my chest and my my palms. palms. And then above your nose on the edge of your eyebrow, two fingers. That anxiety in my chest and my palms. That
0: anxiety in my My chest and my palms.
2: And then on the side of the eye, between the edge of your eye and your hairline. Okay. ah, And you can breathe while we're doing this. uh, That anxiety in my chest and my palm. That anxiety
0: in my chest and my palms.
2: And then under your eye. Under my eye. That anxiety in my chest and my palm. that That anxiety anxiety in my chest and my palms. And then under the nose? Oh, that anxiety in my chest and my palms! That anxiety anxiety in my chest and my palms. Under your lip? That anxiety in my chest and my palm. That That anxiety anxiety in my chest and and my palms! And cross your wrists on your collarbone? Oh, that anxiety in my chest and my palm that anxiety
0: anxiety in in my chest
2: chest
1: and my palms.
2: And about four inches below on your ribs, that anxiety in my chest and my palm. That anxiety in my chest and my palms. And then your hands on your shoulders and we're gonna blow it out. So, Christy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about the shot you were supposed to get in your back today, from 0 to 10, the anxiety in your chest and your palms, where is it now?
1: It's not here. Yeah. Feels better.
0: You feel all right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not red anymore. If you notice, my cheeks get red.
0: Yeah. And my... When you get nervous. Yeah. And anxious.
1: Yeah. They might start getting red now because we're talking about me getting red. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're getting red now. (laughs) But that's because we're talking about me getting red.
2: (laughs) Talking is such an amazing um, device. It is one of the methods that I use to show people how to gain emotional wealth and to stop living in emotional debt, um, which I lived in for years. Uh, I would come home from work after I'd spent all of my energy at work and people would make demands on me like, I want to eat. Or um can you give me a hug? Or you yeah, know, those yeah. crazy demands. And yeah. I'm like, I'm emotionally spent. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm finished. And so tapping is a great way to maintain your emotional wealth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So love that. give us a little bit just quickly, like why do these techniques? What is it about the techniques that really drive this to work?
2: Well, Josh, they have done clinical studies for the last 40 years all over the world and tapping is way more popular in other countries than it is here, primarily because other countries have universal health care and they are looking to cure people. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so this is one way to help people uh, with anxiety, with work, with waffles to help them with waffles. Right. Uh, So it helps them dissolve their waffles. What they um, have shown is clinical studies have shown uh, Dr. Hans Selye, S-E-L-Y-E, was the first one to really define something called stress. And it was based on increase in cortisone, adrenal levels, and other hormonal levels. They have found that tapping on these points reduces those levels so that you no longer feel the stress. It's all based on traditional Chinese medicine's Meridian system. It was developed by Stanford educated um, engineer, Gary Craig, when he was watching other psychologists and psychiatrists who'd been working with patients for years with no improvement. And they were searching out solutions. And they started looking at traditional Chinese medicine. They started looking at Meridians and they said, Maybe this will work. The story goes that um, psychiatrist Dr. Callahan had a long-term patient called Mary who was deathly afraid of water. He studied traditional Chinese medicine and asked her, when you think about your fear of water, where do you feel it in your body? And she said, oh, just thinking about water, I feel it in my stomach. Well, he had done his research and understood that when you have issues in your stomach, the spot right under your eye can, um, is tied to this, what's called the stomach meridian. Mm-hmm. He asked her to tap right there. And depending on which story you want to uh, believe, supposedly she picked up a glass of water, drank the whole thing down and said, I'm cured, left the office. He shook his head and said, what just happened? Yeah And developed a whole system for psychologists and psychiatrists on, if you have this fear and it's in this part of the body, these are the kinds of things you do, mm-hmm. called it thought field therapy. However, Gary Craig, who's an engineer, saw these meridians as electrical circuits. And he said, you know what? If you just tap on these eight spots in your body, that's going to hit 96 to 98% of the meridians. And whatever energy blockage you have in your body, it's going to release it Mm -hmm. because they feel like the word emotion is energy in motion. Now, if either one of you think about the last time you felt love or fun or happiness, I mean, that was a great feeling, but you may not be feeling it right now because that feeling is an energy in motion and it is gone. Yeah. Yeah. There are times where we hold on to anger or fear or anxiety or waffles, and we hold on to them because they serve a purpose. Now, what is that purpose? It's survival. And that survival is keeping us alive. Now, why would we be fearful if we walk into a room and in the corner there's an orange trash can? I mean, we may not even notice the orange trash can, but all of a sudden we walk into a room and we're like nervous. Like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here we may not remember that when we were nine months old, something really bad happened in a room that we were in that had an orange trash can in it. Mm -hmm. But our amygdala, the lizard brain in the back of our brain remembers and wants to keep us safe. And so what the tapping does is it says, and this is is Katie Knoll's version. (laughs) It says to the amygdala, You know, when I was younger, I I understood that I had to be careful when I was in a room with an orange trash can. But now I've developed a prefrontal cortex that wasn't there when the orange trash can, While I was in the room with the orange trash can. And because of my prefrontal cortex, I know ways of keeping myself safe. And so tapping relieves the waffles that your, that your amygdala is feeling and allows the prefrontal cortex to go into motion. Hmm. Wow.
1: That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. I like what she said about other countries actually wanting to meet people. Well,
0: yeah. Unlike our country, unfortunately, (laughs) because of the cost. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. (laughs) You want to ask the next
1: question? Yeah. So with your experience, what do you think could be the most helpful with marriages, especially in blended families?
2: Um, so what do I think would be the most helpful? Uh, I think true conversations. Yeah. And those can be the most difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I think the true conversations have to start with ourselves. Right. Yeah. About how we feel. Uh, emotions drive the train. Uh, we may think that we're thinking logically like, okay, I want to get this house and these are the qualifications I have on this house. This is exactly what I want. I'm going to tell the realtor, this is exactly what I want. And then the realtor is going to show me something that my amygdala says, oh, you're safe here. This is wonderful. And it may be nothing like what I told the realtor that I wanted because emotions drive the train. So taking charge of our own emotions by maybe. Tapping on ourselves. Part of the training that we do in level one is we create something called a personal peace journal. Uh, they said uh, in the class that I was in and the class that I teach, I say write down a list of a hundred things that cause you waffles. And I was like, only a hundred? Why? I could write a thousand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I started writing them down. I got to thirty-seven, and I was like, hmm. Well, that lady in the store the other day was rude to me. What I forgot to do is to create all the aspects. For instance, the car accident I was in, I just wrote car accident. But I didn't write down that I was worried if my husband was going to wake up from the coma he went into. That I was worried about what the cost of the car is that I, that I felt like the person who hit us was uninsured, that um, I was worried that somebody else was going to hit us because we stopped in the middle of the intersection. I didn't write down every one of those aspects that had to do when I wrote car accident. And so, and so you write down every one of those, you know, when you talk about a blended family, what are your concerns personally and yeah. work on those individually, so that then when you talk to another person of the blended family, whether it's your own you know, prior family or a new family member, that you have your own emotions under control. And that's what I love teaching people and, and showing people how they can control and manage their own personal emotions so they make better decisions, so they can be more helpful, so they can be more loving.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so funny because to our viewers and our listeners that are listening, if you listen to last week's podcast, we talked about how to tell your spouse what you need. And the point number one was talk with yourself first. And a doctor okay. just confirmed that we are correct. Yeah. I want to point that out.
0: <laughs> it's funny though, because, you know, a lot of clients that we help, you know, it, and it's hard to steer them back because people feel very justified in their feelings. Yeah. They feel very justified in their emotions and they yeah. feel very justified in, especially in blended families, because what you understand, it's like when we come together as a blended family and we're bringing our kids into a home with somebody else's kids, mm-hmm. it is all feelings. There is such little yeah. logic involved in all of that. And so to be able to yeah. to bring people down to a level of like, okay, I understand what you're saying. OK, but I need you to hear what I'm saying. And we we got to get a hold of this train, as you refer to, which I love about getting this emotional train to come back around and put it in its right place, because emotions are healthy, which I know you would agree. They have the right place for them, but they should never be in the front driving the thing around. So, yeah, I love how you say these, you know, we got to
2: get a hold of that
0: first if we expect to have results in totality, especially in family.
2: Yeah. And it's not just the emotion, Josh, it's, but it's also the expectations. Mm, yeah. So uh, I know, I, know um, uh, I was very upset with my nine-year-old son when he was on a field trip because he was great on the two-hour drive to the field trip, but on the way back, he was a disaster and disruptive, and I was a chaperone. I was embarrassed. I had all these feelings and everything, and somebody pointed out, were you tired? Was I tired on the field trip? I was like, I was exhausted. I'm, I'm like, with all these nine-year-olds, it was horrible, and they said, well, imagine if you were nine. And you had been two hours in one direction, had had an excursion and two hours back. How do you think they might behave? And I'm like, oh, got it. I hate that part.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) So a lot of it is expectations. Um, I know at one point um, I I love this one, this one child psychologist. And he said, you know, if you ask your children to do the dishes and they don't do the dishes, You can't be mad at them because if you didn't have your children, you would still have dishes to do. So what you do is you do the dishes, but there will be some point at probably the near future where that same child that you asked for help is going to need something from you. And you can turn to them and say, I would love to help you, but I'm exhausted because I had to do the dishes and I was like, oh whoa, that's brilliant. <laughs> yes. that's awesome. But thinking about the things that come under my purview that I would have to do myself. I actually use that in my own marriage. Um, so when my husband doesn't do the things that I think he should be doing, I have to stop and think, um, well, if I was by myself, would I be doing this? Oh, doggone it. Yes, I would. Um, so yeah. I just do it. I love it,
0: and I love the, the the intentionality you're speaking with, because it's such an important thing. So, you know, we're Christians, and we believe in the hierarchy of the Bible when it comes to marriage, and we put God first, and then marriage, and then our children, and that still applies to blended families. So, you know, when we're looking at our marriage, it's like, okay, how can I pay attention to her and take care of her the most so we then can, you know, pour that over into our children? But I can't take care of Christy unless I'm being intentional with the way that I'm taking care of her, and I can't do that unless... You know, I back up and say, "Okay, you know, I need to sit like you're saying, I need to back up and think to myself, you know, am I doing this the right way? Am I thinking of this the right way? Am I being intentional the right way?
1: Yeah, I think some of it is assumptions, though, too, especially in blended families, because Mm -hmm. like Josh and I, our youngest now is 18. So we have 18, 20, 20. We have a two 20 year olds and a 25 year old. Oh my and god! Yeah. So we are just now finding out that like my my the youngest is mine and one of the twenty year olds is mine. So the eighteen year old, you know, we talked about we got married ten years ago, nine years ago, nine years ago. And so he was I don't even know how he was old nine. He was nine, and we were talking about it. I don't know, like a few months ago, and he was like, I really didn't even understand what was happening that day, and it's like we just had the assumption like yeah we talked to them before we moved in together he talked to his kids i talked to my kids but then once we moved in together it kind of was just like business full as steam usual. ahead mm-hmm. right like we got married you know everything was being done together and those like how you were saying breaking down it was just car accident like we're moving in together great <laughs> but we didn't talk about we're always going to be together now we're going to be getting married. What this does this is this your mean? new brothers and sisters. Yeah. Like none yeah. of that was broken down with them, which we're just assuming they understood, you know, what was going on. So yeah. I think it's a very, very good point yeah. for other families out there to, to talk and break those things down. Yeah. Cause we go off of feelings so much. I mean, that's how we pick a wedding dress, right? We put a wedding oh, yeah. dress on, we try them on, try them on, try them on. We get one on. We're like, this is it. Right. We feel it. Yeah. True. So, yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, if, if, is this something that somebody could get connected to virtually?
2: Oh yeah. I've been using zoom for 12 years. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I love have, it. I before clients, COVID like well before COVID <laughs> you were ahead of the game.
2: Definitely. I have clients in Spain and Canada and Mexico and, uh, in Indonesia. Um, uh, wow. I had a, I had a, Mother watched my TEDx talk on eliminating math anxiety and she lived in Switzerland and her son was attending boarding school in Belgium. And um, so she hired me to help him. Um, And it started off with just, you know, math and test anxiety, but it has spread. I mean,
0: (laughs) and I would think that would be the story normally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would think so okay so as we wrap this up
0: let's let's tell everybody you know let's we've talked so much about it it's exciting we get we can offer this but where can they go find you where can we find you where can we get connected with you
2: i'm on all social media as katie nall phd so it's spelled k-a-t-i-e-n-a-l-l-p-h-d um so that's on all social media Uh, I have a lot of details about what I do on my website. Um, My last name is Nall, N-A-L-L, and I'm a bit of a wordsmith and a punster. So I had to add the word edge, E-D-G-E, and then C-O for company. So my website is knowledgecompany.com, and there you can find out information about the training that I offer about one-on-one sessions that I'm um, that I offer both live and on zoom and um, also about the Qigong classes that I teach.
0: Love it. Yeah. You have anything else? No. Well, I just want to ask you before we close, do you have anything exciting coming up? Anything new or exciting coming up that you want to share?
2: I have so much exciting stuff. Coming <laughs> up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we like hearing that. Yeah.
0: We like hearing that.
2: Uh, it's funny, Josh and Christy, because about a year ago, uh, I was asked to retire from the college where I worked and I was like, oh, this is great. All this stuff I've been doing on nights and weekends I, and on vacation days I can do now full time. And um, yeah, so it's just exploding. So, um, yeah, so I, I do teach Qigong. Um, and the reason why I teach Qigong is because I wanted to dance at all five of my granddaughter's weddings. The youngest one is two, so that means I've got to stay healthy. I have to stay alive till twenty fifty. I have to stay healthy, and I'm probably going to learn how to dance somewhere in between there. So, <laughs> so I I'm always adding new classes. I teach um, level one tapping uh, on Zoom. I just finished with the class uh, last weekend, so people can learn how to tap on themselves, their family and friends. I have a level two class that's gonna be coming up. I also offer masterminds on growth and abundance. And I'm working on a, um, a, a project for veterans um, mm-hmm. on helping them with suicide prevention. And it's focused on body, mind and spirit. Uh, so mm-hmm. the body will be Chikong, the mind will be um, uh, the tapping and then the spirit will be a spiritual component. Wow. Any more TEDx events coming up? You know, it's really funny. I just finished my second TEDx in January and uh, TED did not post it. Um, They would not tell us why, but we believe it was too controversial. Uh, My talk was entitled Science is Not Always the Truth. And I I talked about how all the new scientific discoveries were not Readily accepted until they could be measured and named. And um, I just brought in, I guess, a few too many things that they didn't like.
0: Okay, hey, sometimes that's okay.
2: <laughs> it, it actually is okay. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and I and they have the video, but I have the intellectual property on. I did six months of work on that talk.
0: Uh wow. so I got that. Mm-hmm. Well, they yeah. can't take that from you, so you get to spread that word and all yeah. that wisdom. So well, Katie, we appreciate you being on here. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. And uh and we wanna make sure everybody knows that they can go out and they can follow you. We'll make sure to put all everything in the show notes, all the links, so they can get a hold of you. Thank you so much.
2: Josh and Christy, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and for the outreach that you have to families who really need what you're uh, sharing. So thank you for what you're doing.
0: Thank you so much We appreciate that. that. Yeah. Thank you. What an amazing interview. We really pray and hope that you got some fun out of this, but not just fun. We pray that you got some use out of this.
1: I love acronyms, so I'm... Seriously, waffles is worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, and stress. Waffles. And it's like all of those things are negative, but waffles is positive.
0: So it's Unless like- you have diabetes, <laughs> and then it's probably not positive.
1: It's still positive. You just can't have it. <laughs> right.
0: You can possibly not have it. Sniff
1: it. <laughs> Smell like- the positive yeah. waffles. Yeah. So I love it.
0: Yeah. But we'll make sure to put everything down inside the show notes to let you know how you can get in contact with uh, Dr. Katie and, you know, go check her stuff out. It's, she has a very interesting and awesome website. And so we'll make sure to leave that down on there.
1: Yep. All right. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next Tuesday at 7. Bye.